familiar with his words or maybe even have a plaque or had a plaque on your house or in your office that said, but as for me and my house, right, we will serve the Lord. Now, if you don't have it displayed, I know you got to memorize as I heard you. Amen. But with that statement, Joshua, he crystallized the essence of one submitting himself to the will of God because he declared and decreed as for me and not only me, but my house. He declared that over his house. We are going to do what? Serve the Lord. And as we have been talking over the last few weeks, uh, as we have entered into this current phase, we have learned that when you go through a phrase, you are in the midst of a change or development. A phase is for the purpose of uh, changing you and developing you. Uh, You just don't go through this phase. You need to grow through this phase. This phase that we are in, you don't need to just go through it. You need to grow through it. Amen. I heard it said yesterday at a, a, a worship service down at the court, courthouse that God is building his church. That is a true fact. And I want to add to it, God is not only building his church, he's preparing his church. Hmm. For what? For what's to come. <laughs> Amen. He's perfecting us, he's growing us, he's maturing us. So when this phase, we are to grow through it. Amen? We have learned in this phase that we are going to study to show ourselves approved unto God so that we, not me, (laughs) so that we can rightly divide the word of truth. We have learned we need to pray. Prayer is our connection to God. It's inviting eternity into time and taking time to eternity in the even exchange. It's turning our thoughts to God. And we learned last week that we need to deal with the spirit of selfishness that has been cloaked in rugged individualism. Right? Now, our mission statement, just in case you've forgotten this right here, it says, we are transforming believers into disciples, right? We are transforming believers into disciples. But as we are going through this transformation, I'm going to tell you something that's going to probably knock you off your feet. It's okay to not be okay. (laughs) In this phase. It's It's okay not to be okay in this phase. But as believers, we need to enter and stay in God's rest. Hmm. <laughs> it's okay not to be okay, but as a believer, you need, we need to stay in God's rest. So I'm going to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Now, the writer of Hebrews is not revealed. But it, it matters not who the writer is when I know who the author is. <laughs> The author gave the Holy Spirit to the writer so that the writer would say what God had to say. Amen. Now, the Bible is a very interesting book. It's about the king and the kingdom. It was written over 1,500 years to get this Bible. 1,500. By 40 plus different writers. Right? 
They weren't all at the same time in the same classroom writing the same book at the same time. This took over 1,500 years. Huh. And only God can author something like that. Amen. Amen. It don't matter who the writer is. It's if you know who the author is. Amen. Mm-hmm. Hebrews is considered one of the most difficult books in the New Testament to interpret, second only to the book of Revelation. You know why? Because the book of Hebrews is dependent on the Old Testament and what the writer has to say to Jewish Christians who have come upon hard times and are considering bailing out of their Christian commitment to return to Judaism. Now, Judaism is the oldest monotheistic religion there is. Okay? Judaism, or the Jewish religion, is defined as the totality of beliefs and practices of the Jewish people as given by God and recorded in the Torah, which is the Jewish Bible, subsequent and subsequent sacred writings of Judaism. I just want to say that. Judaism is the oldest monotheistic religion that's been around. It's been around over 4,000 years. Right? Now, the foundation of Jewish doctrine is this. There is only one God or that God is one. The Bible says in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, with six, chapter 6, verse 4, which is a part of what they call the Shema, it says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's in the New King James Bible. This letter's recipients were wondering whether to follow Christ or Jesus was worth all the persecution. So if you are wondering if it's worth following Jesus, you are in good company because the writer of this book from the author of this book was sending the message to the Christians or the believers of that day because they were starting to, starting to doubt too. Amen? Hmm. Now, in effect, the writer is urging them, keep going. Don't turn back. Jesus is worth the trouble. Amen. Don't turn back. Jesus is worth the trouble. And that is the same message to us today. If you are thinking in, thinking of throwing in the towel, Jesus is worth the trouble. Some things are worth the struggle and some things aren't, but Jesus definitely is. All right? So I want to encourage you that it's okay not to be okay, but as a believer, you need to, you need his rest. Amen? Let's go to chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. I'm just going to stay today, or right now anyway. It says, let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Amen. The Amplified Version says this. It says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still holds and is offered today, let us be afraid to distrust it. 
lest any of you should think he has come too late and has come short of reaching it. Amen. Amen. For we indeed have had the glad tidings, the gospel of God, proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, Oh, did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith. With the leaning of the entire personality of God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. By those who heard it, neither were they united in faith with the ones Joshua and Caleb, who heard and did believe. For we who have believed, adhered to, and trusted in, and relied on God, do enter that rest in accordance with his declaration that those who did not believe should not enter when he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And this he said, although his works had been completed and prepared and waiting for all who believe from the foundation of the world. Now let's go into a little deeper. The Greek word from death of uh, the Greek word for rest is katapousis. It's spelled K-A-T-A-P-A-U-S-I-S. Katapousis. It means putting to rest and calming of the wind. But katapousis also means the heavenly blessedness in which God dwells and of which He has He has promised to make persevering believers and Christ partakers after the toils and trials of earth are ended. So in all of that, that is saying that we should have, we are going to have enter into God's rest in time with a look toward rest in eternity. Part of the purpose, part of your purpose as a believer is to show unbelievers how to live in time while you are preparing for eternity. Amen. The purpose for us as believers, one of the part of the purpose of that we have as a believer is to show unbelievers how to live in time while we are preparing for eternity. The problem has been we get so focused on preparing for eternity that we forget how to live in time. Amen. Hmm. Oh yeah, we get so busy living in time that we don't even think about eternity. However, let me tell you some good gospel news. This ain't all it is. Right. Amen. When time is over, time does, uh, eternity begins. Amen. Amen. Thank God for that. Some of the Jewish Christians who, have received, who received this letter may have been on the verge of turning back from their promised rest in Christ, just as the people in Moses' day had turned back from the promised land. Now you remember, God had sent, I mean, Moses had sent some spies out. But only, only two of them came back with, the, with saying, oh, let's go get them. The others were like, there's too many giants in the land. So God said, okay, y'all want to be like that? You and your ten and the others, y'all not going to enter into the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb will enter into the promised land. Why? Because they believed God. We no longer look forward to the promised land. We are now living in the land of promises. And the reason why you haven't gotten the promise of God in your life is because you have not believed God to deliver on his promise. Hmm. 
All right. Amen. When you trust your own efforts instead of Jesus's power, you too are in danger of turning back and don't even know it. Now, don't get me wrong. They didn't, the Israelites didn't miss heaven, but they missed out on the promised land. Hmm. Let that sit there. The rest that God promises you is participate, participation in and enjoyment of the blessing he has planned even during this phase. So when you rest in God, it's, ante it's in anticipation that you are going to receive the promise of rest in the phase. A calming now with a look towards eternity. Don't run the risk of falling short of your inheritance. Now, because if you are seriously living the normal Christian life, let me tell you, let me fix it up where you can reach it. You are going to run into challenges and trials. <laughs> let me put it where you can get it again. If you are living the normal Christian life, what is the normal Christian life? Living life as a Christian or a believer. You are going to run into challenges, and you are going to have some trials. Why? Because the devil ain't just about ready to let you enter into God's rest without putting up some resistance. Mm. In fact, the more godlier you become, the more difficulties you'll face. Mm. And that, the reason is this. You have been painted with a fragrance that attracts the favor and blessing of God. And your enemy is going to do all he can to knock you off your square. Yeah. But the temptation is to submit to your environment to ease the pressure. In other words, you'd rather go along to get along so that the pressure will come off of you from Satan. However, it's a trick from the devil because if he can get you to go along to get along and not stand in the victory that Jesus already gave you, then he'll win. But when you stand and declare that by his stripes I am healed, Jesus is the center of my joy, there's nobody like him, God and God alone, <laughs> you get the devil up off of you, amen. So don't squander your inheritance. We like to take the root of least resistance. Especially nowadays, when it gets too hard, we just want to quit. There's a lot, and, and you know, there's a lot more to what I'm about to say, but there's a reason why we don't have people working 30 years in retirement, other than the pension. One is they get, it gets too hard, so I'm moving. The average time on the job is two years. Because <laughs> it gets too hard. We'd rather have the path of least resistance. So don't squander your inheritance. Let's read these verses again. I'm going to read them in the New Living Translation. It says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was announced to them, but it did them no good because they did, they, they did not, share the faith 
of the living God. Amen? They did not share the faith of the God. The Israelites of Moses' day illustrate a problem facing many who are in the church today. What's that problem? They know about Jesus, but they don't know him personally. Their knowledge is not combined with their faith. They know about him, but they don't know him. The, the Israelites, they received the good news, not the good news about heaven, but the good news about Canaan. They received the good news about the promised land. But the message did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> Amen. So that's why they missed out on the promised land. Those who didn't believe. When God, and, and I told you, he, God sent out 12 spies and, and Joshua and Cana, Joshua and Caleb were the only one that believed God, right? The people believed the majority report. And as a result, God refused to let anyone of that generation enter that land except Joshua Cable. I know I said it earlier, but I want to say it again. You have to be careful of following the majority report. And a lot of people say, well, the church has shrunk. The church has dwindled. No, God has been the herd because he always has a remnant. What is a remnant? A small band of believers that God has empowered to be boosted by the wings of the anointing to go through every line of Satan's defense. There is a remnant. And little is much when God is in it. Amen. <laughs> so be careful following the majority. Amen. That's a whole lot to it. There's a whole lot more to it. When you are with God and in the minority, you can outdo the majority. <laughs> Unbelief for you as a believer is refusing to act like God is telling the truth. If you are a believer... And when you don't believe what God has said, you are actually saying that God has not told you the truth. He told us to what? Walk by faith and not by sight. He gave us over 3,000 promises in his book. And we don't walk by faith and don't trust in the promises of God. We are acting like God has not told the truth. But the Bible tells us God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. For God to lie, that would be ungodly because he cannot lie. Amen. If God says it, it that's what it's going to be. Whether you believe it or not. Amen. 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 So what we need to do as believers is get us a Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> you need to get you a Joshua and Caleb in your life. <laughs> Somebody that's going to believe God with you. They can't believe God for you, but they can believe God with you. Amen. Ah. Get you a Joshua and Caleb. It's okay not to be okay, but when you're not okay, as a believer, you need to stay and find. You have to find it. You have to stay in his rest. And I borrowed this quote from, by Victor Frankel from Sister Sherry Post. 
on, from her yesterday mor her morning devotional from yesterday. It says this: between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. In that space is our power and to choose and respond. It comes back to a choice, like I said in the outset. How you respond to the situation determines the outcome of that situation. Amen? Mm -hmm. Jesus said this. He said in Matthew chapter 11, you don't have to go there, verse 28 through 30, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Why? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now the, the, and that's why you got to read the Bible. You just can't read the Bible. You got, you got to read the Bible. The word rest here is a, a little bit different meaning than the word rest we heard from the top. This word means rest means cessation from toil. It's an intermission. It gives you cause or permission to cease from any movement or labor to recover and collect your strength. So Jesus is saying, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you permission to take an intermission so that you can rest from your toil so that you can collect your strength. I don't know about you. That was a word for me. <laughs> and he, he was a yoke because it's so heavy. And, and I'm not from the country. <laughs> Lord knows I'm not. Thank God. Amen. But a yoke is a heavy wooden harness that fits over the shoulder of an ox or oxen. And is attached to a piece of equipment that the oxen are designed, are de are designed to pull, right? Or are supposed to pull. You might be carrying the heavy burdens of sin. The excessive demands of life, oppression, persecution, weariness in the search of God or issues that are associated with life. That can become a burden, right? I'm talking about those, your children can sometimes, though you love them. <laughs> they can become a what? Burden. Your, your, your spouse can become what? A burden. Your friends can become a burden. The things on your job can become what? A burden. Life can become a burden. Because rent is always due at the same time, but it seems like I run out of month all the time. Amen. I'm, not, I'm just talking. I'm not Amen. But I may be talking to somebody. The water bill comes every... Well, let me put it where you can. Christmas comes every year, and every year it seems like Christmas gets here a little faster. <laughs> but I got good news for you. Jesus frees you from all your burdens. The rest that Jesus promised you is love. He promises healing. He promises peace with God, but he does not promise the end of all labor. Amen. <laughs> A relationship with God through Jesus changes the meaningless, wearisome toil into spiritual productivity. Amen? So let's go just a little bit, and then I'm going to be done in a minute, all right? When you are not okay, you need to remember that Jesus is your high priest. 
Jesus is your high priest. Let's go to look at verse chapter number five. And it says this, verse one, it says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer birth gifts, both gifts and sacrifices for sin, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself is also compassed with infirmity. In other words, he knows where they're coming from because he's in the same boat. And by reason thereof, reason hereof, he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. In other words, give sacrifices not only for the people, but for himself too. And a man and man and no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. Hmm. So that so also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Verse 6 says, As he said also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 7 says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications or pleadings, with strong crying or loud crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. Verse 8 says, Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. You see that? And being made perfect, uh, he became the author of eternal salvation unto them that obey him. And verse 10 finally says this, Called of God and high priest after the order, here it is again, of Melchizedek. Now the qualification of a priest that is that he must be taken from among men or the people so that he could be their representative. He must share in their state. Isaiah saw Jesus in prophetic vision in Isaiah 53.3 as the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. So in a prophetic vision, the prophet Isaiah, who was regarded as one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament had a prophetic vision about Jesus and what he would do on the cross. The true high priest must be able to approach the throne of God on his own merit. Mm. Jesus, the son of God, represents God to man and then man to God. He was both. Amen. He was the son of God who represented God. Because in verse it said, in the scripture it said, when you have, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And he represents man to God. Amen. Our high priest is the God man, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. I ain't got time to go into all of what Melchizedek did. But while Jesus was on this earth, he had human attributes such as hunger, thirst, Tears. He had all the emotions that we have. He had all the emotions that we have. Whatever emotion that you feel or have felt, Jesus had those same emotions. He got tired. He got drained. He got frustrated. He got angry. Hungry, all the things that we feel, Jesus felt. 
which qualified him to be a high priest. Amen. Uh, he suffered. He shed his blood and died and was buried, but he got up. But then after he got up with his glorified body, he told Thomas to touch his hands and side and to feel his wounds. He still retained his humanity along with his divinity. In Revelation 19.13, it says he returns to reign on earth, and it is said of him, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. In Revelation 22, we see Jesus with the Father in the New Jerusalem, and he is also called the Lamb. The threefold work of Christ Jesus is this, prophet, priest, and king. And in the coming age, he will still be a prophet, he will still be a priest, and he will still be a king. The Son of God became the Son of Man in order that the sons and daughters of men become the sons and daughters of God. The Son of God became the Son of Man in order for the sons and daughters of God, sons and daughters of men, become the sons and daughters of God. All right? When you are not okay, you need to remember that Jesus is our high priest, a high priest that knows what we're going through. <laughs> Jesus cried so hard, he cried tears that turned into droplets of blood. So you think you cry hard? <laughs> Amen. Number two, you need to remember he's our high priest, but you need to remember that he is interceding on your behalf. Look at chapter 7. He is interceding on your behalf. Chapter 7, verse 23 through 25, it says this, And they truly were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Another translation says, There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in that office. In other words, there were many because they were dying off. Amen. But this man, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Or because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Amen. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. All right? Amen. Make intercession means this. It means to fall in with, to meet with, in order to converse with. Jesus, when he's interceding for us, is conversing with God. He, on your behalf, he's having a conversation with God on your behalf. <laughs> he is just talking to God. What he is actually doing is modeling how our prayer life should be. It doesn't have to be shape, form, or fashion. It's merely having a conversation with God. And that's what Jesus is doing on our behalf. So when you don't feel okay, it's okay you enter into his rest because you've got Jesus as your high priest and he is conversating with God on your behalf. 
Now I didn't point this out when we were in chapter 5. The writer is not talking about being saved in the terms of forgiveness of sin and eternal life. He is talking to those who are already believers. He is talking about being delivered from and through trials and circumstances in this life. And since Jesus is a permanent priest who has no breaks in his schedule and no time, time off, he is always able to deliver. Jesus don't have a break. There's no break in his, in, in his schedule. Why? Because he's not bound by time anymore. So he is free to converse with God all the time. Amen. His full-time job is to intercede or converse with God for all believers and to rescue all believers from the power of sin, Satan, adverse circumstances as you draw near to him. Your deliverance is tied to your obedience and coming to God through Jesus. It's tied to your obedience. Amen. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4, verse 8, draw to God, draw near to God, and he will do what? Draw near to you. When you need deliverance, that's your invitation to go to the throne of grace with boldness so that you can receive mercy and grace at the right time. Amen? Now, there are two kinds of deliverance. First kind of deliverance is from your trial. That's when God takes you out of the circumstances. But then there's another kind of deliverance. That's deliverance through your trial. What does that mean? Sometimes God does not remove you from your circumstances. Instead, he walks with you through your circumstances. What's our example? The three Hebrew boys. They were threw in the fiery furnace, seven times harder than it normally was. But he didn't just take them out of there. It was a fourth one that jumped in that fire. And he looked like the son of God. And then he walked them out of that fiery furnace. Amen? <laughs> Think it not strange, the fiery trial that you are in. Amen. But you just know that it's two types of deliverance. Sometimes God will take you out of it, but then there's another time he'll walk through you. Walk, it, walk through it with you. I, like, I have both. <laughs> I'll take both. Amen. <laughs> I'll take both. And when you are in this last thing, when you are not, a, when you are not okay, you need to remember that Jesus is working it out for your good. Go to a familiar passage of scripture. Let's go to Romans chapter eight. He is a high priest. He's always he's in, he's always intercessing for us. He longs to intercess for us, and he is actually working it out for our. Good. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it says this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among what? Many brethren. Firstborn. Excuse me. Firstborn among what? Many brethren. And that's a generic word for brothers and sisters. Yeah. Remember, he, Jesus intercedes for us. He represents God to man, man to God as our elder brother. Amen. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also what? Glorified. 
See, everybody likes the first part of the verse 28 where it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. But most people ignore the second part, which is even more important. God is working in your life for your good, but not so that you will live on easy street. He works for your good according to his purpose. And what is his purpose for you? God's desire is for you to be conformed or made like the image of his son. It means to become similar in nature and character. We are living this normal Christian life with the purpose and with God's purpose on us so that we will become an image of his son. God desires that you mirror Jesus's character and his conduct. Amen. He wants you. Now, God wants to give you all things, but you can only receive them if you are conformed to Jesus. How, what did Jesus say? Take this cup from me, but nevertheless, I will be done. Now, I'm going to put it where we get. Take this trial from me, but you got to learn how to say, nevertheless, I will be done. I'm going through some things right now, God, but nevertheless, I will be done. Amen. I'm going through some stuff that I just, just, just cannot understand, God. But nevertheless, there's something going on in our community right now that I just can't get, God. Why are people doing this and why are they acting this way? And it don't make sense. But nevertheless, (laughs) your will be done. So therefore, the promise of 828 is conditional. (laughs) It's a conditional one. If you as a believer are not loving God and being conformed to the image of Christ, you will not see things working together for your good. Unfortunately, not all believers steadfastly remain in God's love or trusting God's promises or trusting what God has said. Coming full circle, that's why Joshua and Caleb were the only ones to enter the promised land. They believed God. We no longer have to look forward to the promised land, like I said earlier, but we are in the land of promises. And the one way to hold, get, grab hold of those promises is to believe God. Amen. It's okay not to be okay in this phase, but when you are not okay as a believer, you need to rest by knowing that Jesus is your high priest that he is interceding on your behalf, and he is working it all out for your good. Amen? So say it's okay for me not to be okay, but I need to, I must enter his rest. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your word on today. Stand to your feet.